0: On September 11th in 2001, some individuals felt that the best way to be heard was to hijack planes and crash them into buildings. These same sentiments spurned a host of new individuals to chop off the heads of Americans and Christians. group of individuals tied to this later group felt that the best way to express their outrage and hatred was to set a bomb off in an Ariana Grande concert in the middle of a group of teenage and adolescent girls. Now, you may be feeling that these individuals are wretched and weak. Are expressing themselves in such a disgusting and hateful way. You may feel that people like these individuals don't deserve to exist. You may feel that they should be locked away or Even worse, tortured or killed. And my question to you would be, why is your feelings, those feelings, more valid than the way they felt? You may say, well, I feel strongly about this. I have true convictions. You may go as far as to say that you are willing to die for what you feel. Well, my response would be, so did they. They were willing to die for what they felt. They feel they felt that their feelings were justified. And you can normally trace every bad decision you've ever made in your life, most likely back to a feeling. I have a friend that has a friend who wants to leave her husband. And after consulting with me and telling me the issues I rendered to her, the friend of the wife, the advice that I would recommend her to give her friend. My recommendations are based on the word of God, of course, and years of marriage counseling. And after I gave her the scripture and told her the things that I've seen, she doubles down on her view and begins to tell me how she feels. Now, just to clarify, I give her the word of God and I give her years of marriage counseling experience. I've done years of marriage counseling uh, and I discussed this in a Bible study. I let it work today. And I say the reason that I haven't lost a marriage is because I'm not giving Levi Johnny Griffin's advice. I'm just telling people what the words say. And i read the word. I try to study the word and I just give them what I've learned out of the word or really not even what I've learned. But here, this is what the word says about your situation. And God has been married to us for thousands of years. He loves us and he has the best advice. If we would just follow it, we would win every time. And I give this to the friend of the wife. And like I said, she doubles down on her positioning and she, position and she she tells me, I feel like this may be a good idea. The wife leaving her husband or separating from the husband. Um, or that the wife may feel justified in how she feels that the husband is not quite there. Um, but in the word of Leonard Ravenhill, um, a man with experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Or as my pastor would say, a man with experience is never at the mercy of a man, or in this case, a woman with an opinion. So after giving her the word of God and the facts, and I believe she eventually came around to my point um, after about two or three days of discussing this, not to let the husband off the hook, Uh, And I found out later that the husband may have done some crazy things as well. Uh, But that doesn't justify the wife's crazy. One crazy doesn't justify the other crazy. And everybody has all of these feelings, including the friend who's coming to me. It's a mess. When you get into your feelings, and I see on Facebook people say, I'm in my feelings right now. You should never make a critical decision when you're in your feelings. A man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. A crass version of this quote is, opinions are like rear ends. Everybody has one. And in the end, what is an opinion? It's simply how someone felt. My viewpoint based on the word of God and years of evidence didn't change because one person with no experience had an opinion. In the 19th century, Mark Twain famously said, Get the facts first, and then you can distort them as you please. Which is a funny way of saying that before you speak, know what you are saying. Now, we don't live in a generation where people seek the facts first. We live in a generation of opinions, which is simply how people feel. People marry based on their opinions or their feelings. I feel that this is the one. Well, she is an alcoholic, and he is a wife beater but I feel that they are the one. What facts do you have behind this? Do they have a history of, if it's a a, a woman looking at a man who's asked her to marry him, does he have a track record? Does he have a history of providing? If he has children, is he a good father? Is he kind to his mother? Does he send Father's Day cards to his father? Is he forgiving? Is he loving? Or is he just nice to you or have you slept with him and he's just good in bed and now you're in your feelings willing to procreate or possibly spend the rest of your life or at least the next two or three years before divorce going up and down in your feelings. We look at political candidates and we vote according to our feelings. Alternative facts, lies, are determined by how people feel, how far they're willing to believe before they actually research. And in the end, like I said, what is an opinion? Just simply how someone felt. The problem is not that people want to be smart. The problem is that everyone wants to be an expert. And not an expert on something that they are truly an expert in. Everyone wants to be an expert on everything. Have you ever just met someone that knew everything or at least thought they did? I've met some truly amazing people. I have an amazing pastor and he knows a lot about a lot, but he actually does know a lot about a lot and he's not ashamed to tell you what he doesn't know. This is the limit of my knowledge. I think I know a lot about a little bit of things and I know a little about a lot of things, but there's a lot, a lot that I don't know about and don't have a clue about. And I myself have to resist the urge that everyone else has to resist of trying to be an expert in an area that I'm totally ignorant to or or mostly ignorant to or even partially ignorant to. If you're the expert, then you are the expert. And we live in a generation and in an age where everyone wants to be the expert on everything. Now, we're living in the most technologically advanced period ever in history, where the average first-world five-year-old can work a handheld device and pull up information and videos made across the world. Information isn't the problem. The ego is. And people's egos lead them to believe that what they're eating for lunch is important. That they can forego taking a snapshot of the beautiful landscape in the background that they've traveled halfway across the world to see and simply take a picture of themselves. And that that would be just as awe inspiring. And that their opinion is more valid than yours. Because it's them. Isaac Asimov, born in the 20th century, who was a Russian-American biochemist author of over 500 books, said, people who think they know everything are a great annoyance to those who do, which can be seen two ways. One, know-it-alls arguing with other know-it-alls. Or two, wannabe know-it-alls actually arguing with a real Authentic expert. It's like going back home for Thanksgiving and speaking with your very opinionated mother or mother in law, and you actually are a chemist or an engineer and you're explaining something, but they are the expert. A know it all speaking to an actual expert. In this day and age, everyone wants to be the expert. And with that, when you're the expert of something you're not an expert in, it's just your opinion. And back in the day, it was okay to have an opinion. No one tried to pass their opinion off as a fact. Today, people can't tell the difference between the two. Proverbs three five says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Some would say, But what about all the stuff I want, Lord? If I'm not leaning to my own understanding, my own wisdom to chase after it, how am I going to get it? The Lord would say, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and I will give you everything you need. Matthew six thirty three. And then I'm sure people would still rebuttal. Well, how do I seek you, Lord? Matthew seven, the next chapter says this keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find, keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. I want you to notice what you don't see. At no point does God say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Go back to your opinions and feelings. No, at no point does God say that. He says that. He does not say that. And why? Because your feelings aren't facts. Which means that they're subject to your vantage point. I need you to listen carefully. And as a human who can only be in one place, At one given time, you have no idea how to live a life in someone else's shoes. And thus, there are 8 billion plus people on the planet, thus 8 billion plus vantage points in the world. Yet the only vantage point you can possibly have is yours. So you literally have an over 8 billion to one chance of being right about any given thing. If that doesn't humble you, I don't know what will. You have a better chance of being struck by lightning twice, winning the lottery, not just once, but multiple times in multiple states and becoming the president of every major nation than being right in any given argument where you don't have adequate facts. Forget your feelings. The terrorists responsible for September 11th and the Ariana Grande concert bombings are wrong, not because you feel that they are wrong. Because I'm sure they feel that you are wrong. They feel that you are right. These individuals are actually wrong because God says they're wrong. In the Ten Commandments it says thou shalt not kill, and to do unto others as you have them do unto you. Exodus twenty thirteen, Matthew seven, twelve. And then someone would say, Well others are doing wrong, so then can I do them wrong in return? In which the Lord answers Romans twelve, nineteen that I, that vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I will get wrath upon him. Now, I don't have time to explain how the military plays into the Bible, which I know some would naturally have that question, but I would guide them to the book of Samuel for answers. But the end result is, hashtag, forget your feelings. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth, in the seat of the scornful. You may ask, who is the ungodly? Your feelings. And all of those who walk in their feelings. And not in facts. And not the made up statistics that politician, political candidates put out. Known as alternative facts. As I said earlier, alternative facts is a fancy word for bold faced lie. The fact is, God reigns. And if it's not explicit in the gospel, and you have to read it to know, then you need to pray and see God's face. And that is not an alternative fact. Another fact that you on is if you didn't read it for yourself in the Bible, then you have to take your bishop, pastor, or whoever's guidance you follow, not as the word of God himself. Now, I'm not telling you to be rebellious. Some may say, man, I can be rebellious. I don't have to listen to my pastor. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this. If you don't have a Bible relationship for yourself. Then you're gambling with your soul, with your life, and with the life of everyone you love. If your pastor or bishop says something. And you misunderstand what they say. Or, God forbid, they've misunderstood it, and now they're teaching it from a stance where they've misunderstood it. And technically, it's happened to probably everyone that's ever preached the gospel. They read something, thought they understood it, and preached it. Then as God revealed to them, and as they got wiser, they realized that they misunderstood it. and They had to come back and tell the congregation or correct themselves. But if you misunderstood something that the pastor said, and you live out that misunderstanding, then you're putting yourself and your family in grave danger. You're a pastor or bishop or spiritual leaders, Bible relationship, relationship they have with the Bible. John, which says, uh, John starts off by saying, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And you drop down some verses, and it says the word became flesh. So the Bible is the word of God, which means it's virtually the closest to God you may ever be. Some would argue it's the Holy Spirit, but that may be the closest to the Holy Spirit you'd ever be. But the Bible is the word of God. I was speaking with someone today at the Bible study, and they, we were talking about how to become close to God. You know, I I went through a period of years, maybe three or more years, where I felt... I was crying out to God and God wasn't answering me. God, I need your help. God, I need your guidance. God, I need your direction. God, I need you now. And it felt like I wasn't really getting anywhere. I felt like God really wasn't hearing me, wasn't listening to me. Maybe God didn't want to be bothered. Remember, there's 8 billion plus other people on the planet. Who am I? And that's not not at all what God was doing. God had given me every answer I needed in the word, in the Bible. And if I would just spend time with him, because the word is God. Remember, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. If I would spend time with God through his word, then I would have had every answer that I could have possibly hoped for. I would have had wisdom. The wisdom of the eternities. It's at my fingertips. Is that your fingertips? But we often don't want to read it. We want to listen to a podcast, which is good. We want to hear a pastor on Sunday or Wednesday or twice a week or once a week or YouTube a pastor. And that's great. But that pastor's relationship with the Lord, his Bible ship, his Bible relationship. There's no substitute for your own relationship. If your pastor pays his light bill, that isn't going to make your light bill stay on or your light stay on. It won't. You have to read for yourself. You can read the Bible cover to cover multiple times and still need God to increase your understanding. Now I'm a living example of this. You need a pastor but once again, your pastor's Bible relationship doesn't exclude you from having a Bible relationship of your own. You have to get into your Bible and into the facts and get out of your feelings. A couple of things you don't want to do. Number one, never make a major decision in your life based on your feelings. And I know we're, that's our, our topic here and we're, we're, we're kind of, um, drilling home the point, but I really want to drill home the point just because I've seen a spike, an amazing spike over the last 10 years of people making important decisions without facts because they felt good or they felt right. That could have been the, the Chinese you ate last night coming back and you thought it was a feeling that you should or shouldn't do something. I've seen people marry, take jobs. They've now now I don't want to say the Holy Spirit won't move on you. I'm not saying that God won't guide you. But once again, you you still have to implement a fact. And the fact is, you read your Bible, you pray, you, you you spend time in the Lord, He would guide you. That's a fact. You don't just wake up and say, Oh, I have a feeling. Now sometimes feelings go and And they go good for you. It's like a gambler. May go to Vegas eight times and lose, but on the ninth time, he may win big. Hopefully, he's won more than he's lost those previous eight times. But normally, not really. If you look back on your life, how how many mistakes, how many bad decisions have you made based on feelings? How many things in your life, as you look back in your past, you go, man, that was a terrible idea and you did it. Based on a feeling, hate, distrust, love, love can be one of the most powerful. Love probably is the most powerful feeling. You love your kids, so you're willing to die for them. You love your your spouse, so you're willing to marry them and put up with them. And they're willing to put up with you for the rest of your lives. But you can also fall in love with the wrong thing. Eve fell in love with the idea she could be like God. And convinced Adam to do so. And between the two. Sin was introduced into the world. Death was introduced into the world. Based on a feeling. The fact was God says hey don't mess with that. The feeling was you know what. Man if we could only be like God. I know this is a little deeper than most of the podcasts. But this was necessary. Get into your Bible. Read the word of God. He will answer you. If you're praying, God, I want to be closer to you. He's saying, listen, I want to be closer to you, too. That's why I sent my son to die on a cross. And had my prophets write it down. You want to be close to me? Read it. My answers are there. My presence is there. You don't have to go off of a feeling anymore. You don't have to ponder over what to do anymore. You don't have to think about it anymore. Just spend time with me i can guarantee 5 minutes a day with god will beat 50 years of trying to figure it out he's already figured it out you just need to spend some time getting out of your getting out of your feelings and getting into the fact that god is willing and able to guide your life listen I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook, facebook facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny Griffin. Hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcast platforms, Google podcast platforms and Stitcher. Also place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it. Levi Johnny Griffin for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right, we live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion, and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.